This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. We were not on yesterday, but just unbelievable game for the Rangers back on Wednesday with the 9 to nothing victory. It was a pleasure to call the game, and what a pleasure that second period was. Records galore. First time the Rangers scored seven goals in a period since 1971. Mika Zibanejad becomes the first Ranger to have six points in a game since 1992, and Mark Messier did it against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mika becomes the first player and just the second player overall to have six points in a period since 1978 when Brian Trottier did it. The only two players ever to do it in the history of the NHL. Just an amazing, just an amazing period. And now you kind of wonder, all right, the Rangers are exactly at the midway point. Tonight they will play the Washington Capitals. That'll be game number 29. So we're exactly at the midway point of the season. And the Rangers stand at 12, 12, and 4. That's not an ideal position to be in sixth place in the division. But if you want to look at the glass half full, your NHL 500 with Mika being a shell of what he's been over the last couple of years, with Panera missing nine games because of a leave of absence, plus another injury-related uh, absence, which puts him up to 10 games missed. You look at Heedle missed 14 games with COVID and with a lower body injury. Truba missed eight games because of the broken thumb. Kako has been on COVID protocol, right? Fox missed a game because of COVID protocol. Uh, you're trying to nurse through the early maturation of Alexei Lafreniere, and your goaltending has been gloriously average, and you're 12, 12, and 4. So if the goaltending can be better, you get Mika engaged, you get Panarin healthy, you get Heedle continuing to grow with Kako, with Lafaniere, healthy blue line. Now you're talking about being better in the second half of the season. You're talking about finishing above 500. And I think you can live with that if you're a Ranger fan. Again, we've talked so much about this team not living up to expectations. But clearly, those expectations were misled. And, and I'm also the first one to say that. That because I thought because of the way they played at the end of last season, um, going into the pandemic, that they were going to be a team that was going to be reckoned with this year. But clearly they are still in very much growth mode. So I think you got to live with that, but you got to get better. And I will give the people that want David Quinn out this little bit. Fast forward to a year from now, and we're in March, and we're deep into the season, and this team's under 500 or out of a playoff spot and kind of looking very much like they do now, well, then you could begin the dialogue about maybe this isn't the right coach. Maybe you could begin the dialogue this team isn't living up to expectations. I will give you that. But right now, I think we've just got to settle in, be patient. I know patience is a four-letter word in sports. Nobody wants to hear it, especially a Ranger fan that is staring, missing the playoffs for a fourth consecutive year, all right? But I think that's kind of the way you have to look at it. You need to see progress, and let's see what this second half is going to be. And it starts pretty tough with back-to-back games in Washington against the Red Hot Capitals. All right, Islanders go from winning nine in a row to losing two in a row. I wouldn't freak out about it. You're still not playing with Lee. Uh, Barzell has not been great either. Uh, But they'll get better because Lou's going to make a deal. And I, and I think you take a look at this division, and with the exception of the Capitals, and the Capitals have just been unbelievable, six straight wins, winning nine of their last ten. Um, they've split the six games they've lost in regulation home and road, so it doesn't matter where they are. Plus 15 goal differential is second best in the division, only to the Islanders. 
But, you know, the Islanders have lost a couple in a row. Pittsburgh's lost a couple in a row. They lost to the Devils last night. Boston's won two in a row, but just 5-3-2 and two in their last 10. Philadelphia's only won four of their last 10. So, like, listen, nobody's running away right now. So I wouldn't be overly concerned about the Islanders. They're still right there. Um, and I, get, I don't think it's important for this team to win the division. You want to make sure you make the playoffs. And right now, they've got a nine-point cushion of missing the playoffs. So I think the Islanders are going to be good. Pittsburgh overall has been good despite the back-to-back losses. They've won seven of their last ten, even with the two losses. Um, Philadelphia's got a lot of work to do. There's, there's, there's issues with that blue line, right? Listen, the goaltending hasn't been great. Carter Hart's still very young. But calling that game the other night and even watching the game the day before when the Flyers won in overtime, this blue line leaves a lot to be desired. I think Ekholm is on the way to Philadelphia. I think they make that deal with Nashville. Um, so that's a deal that they can help in the regular season because it's not a Canadian team they'd be dealing with where you have to worry about you know, having to go through missing 10 days because of quarantine. So I think Philadelphia is still in a position where they can get better. But you know they're three points out of a playoff spot. So they're right there. But here's the concerning thing. Minus seven goal differential. Not a lot of that has to do with you were minus nine on Wednesday. But yeah, you blew the three nothing lead last night. You had a three nothing lead going into the third period and you had to you had to get that late goal just to be able to get the two points. Um Philadelphia's got to get better. All right. And we'll see how it goes the rest of the way. You know, Boston's fine because they've got, you know, seven games after beating Buffalo last night left with the Sabres. And listen, the coaching change isn't going to make that big of a difference immediately for the Sabres. And it's certainly not going to save their season at all. So um, I think Boston's going to be fine. So I still think this is a a, a five-team race for four spots. And Philadelphia, obviously, has got the most legitimate chance. We'll see what the Rangers do in the second half of the season. And, oh, by the way, Rangers plus nine goal goal differential. They're one of only three teams in the NHL with a plus goal differential that's on the outside looking for the playoffs. Rangers at a plus nine, Kings at a plus four, and Dallas at a plus three. The only teams with a plus goal differential out of the playoffs. That's always a good indication of where you are. And that's going to make the Rangers feel pretty good, although time is beginning uh, to run out. So that's where we are talking about the East Division. We do have a bit of breaking news. The NHL announced Bruins games on March 20th. That's tomorrow. And the 23rd are postponed. Uh, Targets Wednesday for teams returned to practice. Now, if you were paying attention to Twitter yesterday, John Shannon from up at Sportsnet had tweeted out earlier in the day that the Bruins-Sabre game was going to be postponed. But the NHL was able to work some things out, and that game got played last night, and the Bruins won 4-1. So clearly there is a COVID issue with the Bruins that are going to make the next two games unplayable for Boston. So we'll see what that does to them. So the Boston game postponed for Saturday. And I'm just kind of taking a look at the schedule here to see who they were supposed to play on Saturday. And they were supposed to play the Sabres again for a 1 o'clock start. And then their next game was going to be the 23rd. And the 23rd, they were going to be playing the Islanders. So obviously that affects the Islanders now not having a game to play on Tuesday the 23rd. So that is the latest. COVID is still very much here, people. It is still very much here. Rangers had the scare, although they didn't miss any games. But, you know, they lost Bushnevich and Fox because of COVID protocol in the first game against Philadelphia. They had to go without their coaching staff on Wednesday. They're going to have to go without their coaching staff this weekend in Washington against the Capitals. You know, Bruins now having a couple of games postponed. So, 
we're hearing a lot of good things. The light is at the end of the tunnel, but COVID is still pretty much here. And I, I go back to Monday's podcast when we had EJ on, and he said, don't be so quick to just start making predictions on where everybody's going to finish because with COVID still being an issue, who knows? What does this do to the Boston Bruins now? Right? We have, we're just learning the games have been postponed at the time that we're recording this, which is at 1.30 in the afternoon on Friday. You know, What if more games get postponed? What if they hit a devil situation where they don't play for two weeks? What if a player of significance has COVID? You know, that could put Boston right now has only got a playoff spot for three points, you know, spins them out of control and and puts them in a bad situation where Philadelphia or even the Rangers could take advantage of that in the division. So with COVID still looming, it's really tough to make bold predictions on what's going to happen in the second half of the season because this thing is still clearly very much an issue. All right, going back to the games last night, I actually hit on my two ice picks i had philly on the money line i had a feeling they were going to bounce back and they did although i got the scare with philly blowing the three nothing lead in the third period uh and i had the uh over under at under six for jets and the oilers the reason i like that is because the oilers had scored seven goals the night before winnipeg had played the night before and ended up being a pretty conservative game a 2-1 win for the edmonton oilers and of course Connor mcdavid gets both goals he, he has just been just sick that's the best way to describe it he has just been unbelievable for the edmonton oilers and edmonton's starting to creep up here i mean they played three more games than toronto but they've they're tied for first place in the north with 40 points they've won six of their last 10 two in a row so uh, I wouldn't call them you know, a first-place team because Toronto having three games in hand, although the Leafs have been very averages of late, 5-5 five and five in their last 10 and minus 2. But give Edmonton credit. they got a plus-17 goal differential, which is the second-best in the division, and their goaltending has been better too. So Edmonton uh, can be somebody to kind of be concerned about a little bit if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, if you're the Winnipeg Jets. Winnipeg is two points out of a playoff spot with the same amount of games in hand as Toronto. So um, And they've been kind of average at 5-4-1. and one. Shifley dodged a bullet. He had to be helped off the ice, but did finish the game last night. Calgary certainly in the mix. They had their winning streak snapped the other night when they gave up a touchdown to Edmonton. But, you know, they're just three points off the pace. Vancouver's right now two points off the pace, but four more games played than Montreal. Montreal will be taking on Vancouver tonight, so that's going to be a pretty big game. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at the games coming up tonight in the NHL. We got a few of them. Rangers and Capitals at 7 o'clock. Canadians home for the Canucks. That's a big game for Vancouver and Montreal. Uh, Calgary wants to get back to their winning ways in Toronto against the Leafs. Sharks home for the Blues. Golden Knights at the Kings. So those that's the schedule for tonight. All right. You know what Friday means. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. Yeah! All right. We talk about this all the time, and it's not a cop-out, but you get caught when I do this Top 5 of the week. Am I going to lean on the week? Am I going to lean overall? Listen, I make the rules. It's my podcast. Let's start from the bottom. Number 5. How about those Vegas Golden Knights? Scary. We know how good they are. Four straight wins eight of their last 10, and they've only played 27 games. This is clearly the best team in the Western Conference, and it's really not even close. And take a look, if you will, at what Marc-Andre Fleury has done. We've talked about this quite a bit, but I, I think it's worth repeating. He may not win the Vesna Trophy 
because of the fact that he's got Vasilevsky to deal with. But but look at these numbers. He's 16-5 and five this year, 1.87 goal against average, 9.33 save percentage, four shutouts. He has been spectacular, and the main reason why this team you know, just finds a way to win every single night. They have been just so good. You take a look at some, you know, Max Pacioretty is finally growing into his own there in Vegas. He's got 28 points. He's a plus 12, 14 goals on the season. Stone's got 34 plus, uh, uh, points. He's a plus 17. The Vegas Golden Knights, they're number five. Number four. All right, they've slowed down just a little bit with back-to-back losses in regulation and and certainly didn't play lights out against the Sabres and the Devils in those six games during the nine-game winning streak, but I'm going to give the nod to the Islanders at four. Barzell's got to play better. they got to make the adjustment with Lee, but still, you saw last night what this team is capable of doing, right? They're down 3-0. They're getting fans back into the building, but they're getting embarrassed by a Philadelphia team that had been beaten 9-0 the night before, and it was scary, and you can kind of say all right listen it's over we're down three nothing let's live to fight another day and the, you know and now you're deep into the third period still down three nothing and the del cole comes out of uh, being a healthy scratch jumps in scores a goal then you get Aho getting his first goal in nearly three years. So the blue line contributing to make it 3-2. And then moments later, Wallstrom, who is really developing into a nice player, he's got a heck of a shot, gets his seventh. Yeah, they give up the lead um, just moments later when Limblom gets the goal with uh, less than two and a half minutes to play. Otherwise, they could at least stole a point. So this is still a good Islander team, although they still have some things that they've got to deal with at the trading deadline. But I've got the Islanders at four. Number three. Those Carolina Hurricanes 8-1-1 in their last four. Overtime loss is the only thing standing in the way of a long winning streak. They are playing just tremendous, tremendous hockey. They really are. Now, their goaltending, and we talked about this with EJ, you know, you're not really sure whether it's um, something that you can feel really good about when you get to the playoffs, but... You know, getting tremendous production. Sebastian Ajo, he is a plus six. He's got 28 points with 13 goals. Uh, he's been tremendous for them and what he can bring to the table on a daily basis. So uh, I'm looking to the Carolina Hurricanes at 27-2, and two, number three. Number two. I'm going to drop Tampa down to two just because I just haven't liked, you know, the loss to Nashville, the loss to Detroit. I know they're probably kind of just going through the motions right now, but plus 37 goal differential is sick. Two losses regulation at home, absolutely sick. Seven, two, and one in their last 10. Tremendous. Stamkos has been good. Announcement that Coach Kucherov should be ready for the playoffs, but didn't really love the way they played this week, so I dropped them down to number two. Number one. Uh, can't ignore the Washington Capitals, right? Six consecutive wins, nine of their last ten. Uh, just getting healthier, which I think is very important. And Alexander Ovechkin, congratulations to him. All alone in sixth place with goal number 718 the other night. If it's not Ovechkin, it's Vrana. If it's not Vrana, it's Backstrom, who's got 33 points uh, on the young season. Uh, they are just playing terrifically. And we really shouldn't be overly surprised because Peter Laviolette always does a tremendous job in that first year. And he's got everybody engaged. And the team's playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And they probably heard all about how great the start Boston was and how great the Islanders are going 
going to the conference final last year and how Philadelphia is going to take a huge step. Well, Washington, as we see the dust settle now, as we get deeper and deeper to March, might be the best team in this division. And that's saying something because there's some pretty good teams in that division. So that is the top five of the week. Let's close it out with your tweets and let's go to Richard, uh, Don's top five. Hey, Don, in view of the Rangers musical chairs with the coaches for the time being, my son-in-law, Dan C., wonders which current Ranger would you choose as player coach if it came to that? What a great question. You know, I, I don't know. I, they don't have any real veterans on the team where you could say that guy would be a perfect coach. You know, if Hank was still here, I'd throw his name into the hat because he always critiqued the team. So you come down to who is the most vocal of the players, right? Um, there's a language barrier with Panarin. Zabanajad seems very humble, doesn't have a lot to say. I think this guy should be the captain of the team. I'm going to go with Chris Kreider because Chris Kreider is very vocal. So that's probably where I would say would have the best chance to be a coach and not having the chance to have the day-in, day-in, day-out uh, um, interaction with the players that I would have if not for uh, the pandemic. David Hines says, we're still far off from the crack in hiring a head coach, but let's say they go for an available experience coach. If you're the GM, who's your top five coaches you think would be the best fit for Seattle's first head coach? Great question. I mean, right now you look at Gerard Gallant, right? He's available. He did a great job of the expansion Vegas Golden Knights, right? So he would probably be at the top of my list. I'm a big fan of Michelle Terrian. He is right now an assistant coach with AV in Philadelphia. Went to the conference finals with the Montreal Canadiens. Had good years with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now I would take a good look at somebody like him. And then you look at the free agents, right? John Tortorella is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Likely not coming back to the Columbus Blue Jackets unless they really have a spurt here in the second half of the season. He's a quick-fix guy. Not sure he works with a lot of great young players, but I'm not sure that's where Seattle's going to go with the expansion draft. A lot of veteran players that they're going to get in that draft. John Tortorella with somebody that'd be very interesting. Rod Brindamore is a free agent at the end of the year with Carolina. I think they're going to lock him up because they're having such a great year, but who knows? They're kind of money-strapped in Carolina. Could he price himself out? Would Seattle want to make a splash with a recent former player who's had some success uh, in Carolina. Those are some of the player, those, some of the coaches that kind of jumped to mind. Possibly Claus Julian has had success, obviously, winning a cup with the Boston Bruins. The one thing, David, you're right, Seattle's going to have a lot of tremendous options to throw out there. Uh, Chris says, hey, Don, did you ever watch Beavis and Butthead? Absolutely, I have. If so, there were times when I saw videos so horrendous that they looked horrified and said nothing. That was my feeling on Wednesday during the second period. Of course, Chris is a Flyer fan. This team has too much talent to not show up like that. Sometimes those games happen, but give them credit, Chris. I mean, they obviously had one of the worst performances you're ever going to see get beat 9 nothing. They played the next day against the Good Islander team, and they get two points. So I wouldn't freak out too much about it. I think that did show a lot. They need a lot of issues on the blue line, and we've talked about it before, Chris. I think Ekholm is coming. Tim says, I think that despite playing well early, Philadelphia and the Islanders will slide. Could you see both of them missing the playoffs if they continue to play like this? Well, here's the question, Tim. Who is going to take advantage? Like, Philadelphia is not in the playoffs right now. So if they slide, they slide. If the Islanders slide and Philadelphia slides with them, are the Rangers ready to make up that ground? Are the Devils, who have won a couple of games in a row, ready to take that uh, step? No. So I don't see both of those teams sliding out of the playoffs. 
Jeff says, I kind of crazy idea for offside reviews. What if we we had an extra smaller uh, further in the blue line, which the challenged offside in question has to also be passed so that only the more glaring, obvious offside gets a call? So what you're asking for is soccer, where you're going to maybe have a little bit more margin for error because there's technically no line to look at. I don't know because I I don't see how it solves it because if you're going to give a little margin for error then how do you judge that and then if what if it's close to that line for a margin for error I uh, hear what you're saying uh, I think a lot of this can be solved honestly and we saw this with the Devil Islander game on Sunday is that if it takes you five minutes to review it then, then I'm sorry it's too close to call replay is to erase the egregious mistake where it should take no more than 10 seconds to see that it was screwed up if you're spending more than a minute looking at the video then i'm sorry it's too close to call because then that meant the naked eye couldn't detect it so technically to me it's not a mistake by the official if the naked eye couldn't detect it and if it takes more than a minute then i think it's off the board start a clock Officials come over, they look at it, you can put it right there on the Jumbotron, count down a minute, a buzzer, the horn goes off, the officials are still looking at it, all right, you're done. Goal stands. That's the way I would look at it. All right, this was fun today. Thanks so much for participating. We got a big weekend. Um, Everybody's busy. We'll keep an eye on what's happening with Boston. Obviously, they're not going to be busy with a couple of games being postponed because of COVID protocol. The game tomorrow and the game Tuesday. The game tomorrow against the Sabres and the game Tuesday against the Islanders. Want to get in touch with me? Best way to do that, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Have a great weekend, everybody. Back with EJ Raddick on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.